Welcome to the teaching ministry of Judah Oloramai, compelling consecration, provoking repentance, and inspiring worship by the preaching and teaching of God's word and the miraculous demonstration of his power. Get ready to experience the transforming power of his word. James chapter 4. So, going forward, we are going to receive the graduating set again, and we're also going to have some expressions of thanksgiving. So, it's a thanksgiving service, but we are combining it with several other things. I have to conclude my teaching. The GR23 has to rejoice and celebrate their finishing from school. So many things are, you know, merged together in this service, but we trust God to give us speed so that we can maximize the time. James chapter 4 and verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Ask your neighbor, are you a friend of the world? Are you an enemy of God? Do you think that the scripture said in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lost text to envy? I didn't even have time to explain this verse. I could teach on this just for one hour. You must understand what he's saying here. That the Holy Ghost in you is a jealous spirit. See, the spirit that is in you is a jealous spirit. Please put it back in verse 5. I'm still trying to explain that. The spirit that is in you, that is the Holy Ghost, is a jealous spirit. He wants affection. He wants attention. He wants intimacy. And every time you don't give him or you give someone else, he's jealous. That's what it means by a lost test or envy. Go ahead verse 6, please. But give it more grace. Wherefore he said, God resisted the proud, but give it grace unto the humble. I think that's enough for what I want to say this morning. Let's quickly pray. Lord, we come again and we trust you for understanding. Please bring clarity, bring conviction. Let there be diverse experiences to draw us close to you. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. So, cultivating divine intimacy, part two, that's the topic. That's the teaching this morning. I want to begin this part by emphasizing something I said in passing last week. Every love relationship that you see that is working well, that is thriving, is working because it is worked out. If you see two love birds doing love, loving together, enjoying themselves, peppering you with love, it is because those folks work their love relationship out. They labor. They are diligent. They are committed to that relationship. They labor in love. What you see as a blossoming love relationship is not a function of chance, coincidence, or luck. It's a function of labor, toil, diligence. Many of you look at me and my wife and say, You don't know the labor, the diligence. Cutting for seven years in the midst of several uncertainties. 
You don't know the toil, the diligence, the labor. Living a luxurious job in Lagos to come and stay with your husband who is a pastor in Obomosho. You look at them and say, oh, you don't know it's sacrifice, sweat, pain, toil, labor. Anything you see working is work. Anything you see functioning well is work. If you go to the restroom and you see that it is clean, it's not angels that cleans it. Somebody when they put their hands, washed it. That's why you can sit down there comfortably. Amen. Anything you see functioning well is labor, is toil, is work. So we're talking about cultivating divine intimacy. You're not going to get it by luck. You're not going to get it by chance. You will work it out. You will cultivate it. The phrase cultivate suggests like a farmland. You plant seeds. You will fertilize it. You will water it. You will weed it. You will ensure that the fruits turn out well. It is work. So cultivate divine intimacy. It is work. There are many lazy Christians who are just wishing that they can be closer to God. You cannot wish it. It's not something that comes by wishing. It's something that comes by cultivating. There are three categories of folks I want to talk about today that exemplify intimacy with God. In scriptures, we see them very clearly. Three categories of people that exemplify intimacy with God. If you look at this people's life, you see that they were intimate with God. But I want to show you that they were not intimate by chance or luck or even by divine providence. They were intimate because they cultivated, nurtured their relationship with God. The first people I want to look at are the people called Levites in scriptures, especially in the Old Testament. The Levites. They were the people that served God in the temple or in the tabernacle. As it were, they were the people that were close to God in the Old Covenant. There were certain things that God did not do with the ordinary Jew, but he did with the Levites. Among the Levites were also the priests and the high priest. The high priest went into the most holy place. Only him could draw that close to God. Now, you need to examine the scripture to confirm. How come the Levites had started a covenant of intimacy with God. Well, in Exodus 28 and 1, we are told that God chose the Levites. That may be because of Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron were the leaders of Israel, and so it was reasonable that the tribe of Moses and Aaron produced the Levites. That's logical. But beyond that choice of God, there are a few things I need you to see that affirms why the Levites were close to God. Let's see two stories, if time will permit me. In Exodus chapter 32, Exodus chapter 32 is renowned for the golden calf. Moses was with God on the mountain. When he came down, we noticed that Israel had built a calf because they could not wait for Moses and they were beginning to worship and serve that calf. Kindly turn to Exodus 32, please. That's the conversation I'm trying to emphasize. Now, let's see verse 10. Let's see verse 10. God was very angry. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath might wax hot against them. 
that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. Go ahead. Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does thy rot wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt, with great power and with a mighty hand? Now go ahead to verse 22. Let's see the emphasis because of time. And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. For they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. For, for this Moses, the man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me. Then I cast it into the fire. And there came out this calf. Basically explaining how the golden calf was produced. And when Moses saw that the people were naked for Aaron and made them naked unto shame amongst their enemies. And Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. Now, Moses stood in the midst of all the chaos. Are we still together? Israel had committed sin. God was going to destroy them. Moses was appealing to God. Aaron was appealing to Moses. Everywhere was panic, fear, anxiety. Punishment and judgment was about to come. In the midst of all of this, Moses said something. Who is on the Lord's side? And he said that to every Jew. Guess what? All the sons of Levi gathered together unto him. So only the sons of Levi came when Moses said, who is on the Lord's side? The other tribes could have said, well, I'm going to stand with God. The tribe of Judah, Issachar, Ephraim, they could have said they wanted to stand with God, but they counted the cost. Because when we read the next verse, we now see that being on the Lord's side is not cheap. It will cost you something. And he said unto them, Thus says the Lord, since you are on my side, put every man his sword by his side, go in and out from the gate to gate throughout the camp, and slay every man his brother. In other words, kill every of your other Jewish people. That's what it means to be on God's side. And every man is companion, and every man is neighbor. <laughs> and children of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and their fail of the people that day, about 3,000 Man. Yeah. Because being on the Lord's side is not about singing a song on Sunday. There are relationships you have to kill. <laughs> there are things you will have to run away from, abstain from, avoid. To be close to God is not just about, oh, God loves the Levites. He gave them a special covenant. No, that's not the whole story. The story was that in the day God said, who is on my side? Only one tribe stood. Because only one tribe counted the cost of following God closely. Are you listening to me here? I'm saying to you, if you're going to be close to God, you will cultivate it. It's work. It's labor. It's diligence. It's not luck. It's not God will just choose those that will be close to Him. No. God will give us opportunities to come close to Him. What we do with it is our choice and our business. But if you are really going to be close to God, intimate with God, there's a price to pay. Look at another story in Numbers 25. Numbers 25. 
story, um, Israel sinned again. They were seduced by the daughters of Moab. And their sin was not just sexual, it was mixed with idolatry. Look at verse 6. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianite, or a Midian Itish woman, in the sight of Moses. In other words, this guy actually brought his sex partner to have sex in front of Moses. The height of depravity. And it's out of all the community of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And when Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it. Everybody say Phineas. He rose up from amongst the congregation. Everybody was crying. Hey, ah, what you people are doing is not good. The guy said, I cannot stand it. He took a javelin in his hand. It's a war movie. I don't know why Christians say the Bible is boring. Why you read stories like this? <laughs> and you imagine it. It's just beautiful. He went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them. So it was one blow to die. He, he put the javelin between the man and the woman. And trouble of them through the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from Judah Israel. There was a plague happening, and in the midst of that plague, this foolish man here brought a woman to have intercourse with in the middle of the plague. And Phineas was not going to just cry. He took a javelin and said, Let's fix this matter now. It's not difficult. Look at the following verses. And those that died in the plague were twenty and four thousand. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Listen. Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned my wrath away from the children of Israel. While he was zealous for my sake amongst them, and I consumed not the children of Israel in my jealousy. In other words, the number of people that died was how many? 23,000. But if Phineas did not act, maybe it would have been 123,000. Because the plague was progressive. Verse 12. Wherefore say, Behold, now, because of what he has done, I give unto him my covenant of peace. Verse 13. And he shall have it, and he seed after me, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God, and made an atonement for the children of Israel. So, you will now say, Hey, God likes Phineas. He's doing no joro. He gave him covenant of peace. He gave him eternal priesthood. Hmm? It's not like God likes Phineas. Is that Phineas was zealous for God. The phrase covenant of peace does not mean that uh, it doesn't mean peace the way we know it. The word is shalom. It actually means intimacy. If I say, when they say peace be unto you, they say me and you, we are not fighting. We are cool. We are friends. So when God says, I've given him a covenant of peace, he's saying, this guy and me, we are going to be pals. Me and him are going to be intimate. It was not the choice of God. It was Phineas who initiated this intimacy. Are you listening to me here? In that day that it happened, anybody could have been Phineas. Or Phineas was the only one. Anybody could have. Even if you're not going to take javelin, even if it's broom, you take. Everybody was saying, hey, don't judge, don't condemn. And Phineas said, what? Come on, let's end this nonsense. 
He just deleted two of them. Whoop! And God said, Ah! I'm on me! Why share my God? Let's sign a contract. Me and you, pals for life. Everlasting covenant of priesthood. Listen to me. If you see people intimate with God, it's not about luck. People made sacrifices in statement that got God's attention. Are you following me here? So the priest. We also know that the prophets were intimate with God. We quoted Amos 37 last week. God would not do anything without first telling his prophets. God spoke to the prophets divine secrets. <laughs> Some of the things that the prophets knew were amazing. I mean, the prophet knew about the plans of salvation. Well, some of them knew passively. Some of them did not know entirely. But they had an idea that the Messiah was going to be born. I mean, the prophet prophesied a virgin will conceive. But why is that so? You see a clue in First Kings and um, chapter 19 concerning the prophet Elijah. First Kings 19 and verse 13. Elijah made a statement to God that shows us why prophets are intimate with God. It was when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What dost thou here, Elijah? Listen to his answer. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life. To take it away. If you say, how come Elijah was so powerful? He was so close to God. He could even make decisions on behalf of God. This is why. The prophets were jealous for God. The prophets were broken in their hearts. Because the people forsook the covenant. Threw down the altars. And slew the prophets. Any other Jew could have also been heartbroken. But only Elijah chose to be. In the day David confronted Goliath, it was not because there was anything special about him. Any other person could have said, how can God be insulted and you cannot deal with it? Even Saul could have said that. But everybody ran away, protecting themselves. David said, no, I cannot watch how God will be insulted by a giant. So he picks it. I'm saying to you, intimacy with God is something you will personally decide to do. God does not choose those that are close to him. Glory to Jesus. You are the one now decided. And then the last group of people are the apostles in the new covenant. The prophets, the priests, and the apostles close to God, close to Jesus. Close to Jesus. But you have to consider that it is not just about Jesus choosing people that were close to him. In a sense, Jesus chose the apostles. But look at this story in John chapter 6 and verse 66. Jesus preached a sermon, and the sermon was too difficult. Just like the sermon I'm preaching now, it's too difficult. Too hard to bear. And the Bible says the result of that sermon was that from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. One sermon made Jesus lose several disciples. Next verse, verse 67. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Will you also go away. In other words, they were not in bondage. They had the chance to also go. Look at verse 68. Peter answered for everybody as it were. Simon Peter answered unto him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone has the words of eternal life. So, if we say, Jesus was close to the apostles, uh-uh. You get why? 
They had opportunities to leave. They stayed. They had hard things. They stayed. They experienced hardship. They stayed. It's not because Jesus just chose them. It is that their response to him, to his choice, was also that of responsibility and commitment. If you are a Christian, God has chosen you in Christ. You have been predestined in Christ. Chosen as a son of God. But you can decide if you are going to trivialize that choice. Every Israelite has been chosen by God. Yet only Phineas stood. Only the Levites stood with Jesus. Stood with God. So you have been chosen already, yes. But what are you going to do with the choice? Are you going to take it to the next level? Or are you going to say, well, I'm okay. I can just be far from God and continue to be a Christian. So, the bulk of what I'm saying here is that you will have to cultivate divine intimacy. It is not something God will do for you. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. So, last week we began the conversation as to how exactly you can cultivate and I mentioned two things before the power went out. I spoke about embracing what God has done for you. Especially living in the light of the new covenant. No legalism. No wall of partition. Recognize the fact that God has called you his son. The spirit of adoption is already within you. You can cry, have a father. You can call God father. God is not just your master or your king. He is also your father. You must embrace that. That's the starting point. That's how we got saved. We accepted God could actually be our father and we could be his children. The second thing I was saying was that we should spend quality time with God. Spend quality time with God. I explained this a little bit and then I was out of power. Let me say a few things there before I move on to the next point. Spending quality time with God, I was explaining it's about being in touch with God. You are very busy in school, you are very busy at work, but you can still be in touch with God. Everybody say in touch. One of the greatest plagues of our generation is that people find it easy to be out of touch because of the several things that our minds are engaged in. Movies, entertainment, work, school. People can spend 12 hours being awake and the thought of God does not cross their mind. It's a terrible thing. This is what allows for depravity. We read that in Romans chapter 1. When people do not retain God in their conscience or in their mind, their souls are darkened. Look for that scripture for me, Romans chapter 1, P.R.U. That should be somewhere in verse 29 to 30 thereabouts. Their souls are darkened and then they become depraved. All the homosexuality you see in this world is because people are idle. In their idleness, they begin to lose sight of God. They lose touch with God. And so their heart is darkened. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, the phrase retain God is that they did not become conscious of God. They did not sustain divine consciousness. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. To do those things which are not convenient. What are those things? Verse 29. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, errors of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. That phrase is powerful. Inventors of evil things. People sit down and say, let's invent a new sexual orientation. Let's invent something that is more evil than the former evil. Disobedient to parents. Without understanding, covenant breakers, one brother, toasting five sisters at the same time, serving heart break, or breakfast, how is it called? Serving breakfast to five different months. That's what it means, covenant breakers. Amen. Amen. 
without natural objection, implacable, unmerciful. <laughs> I can go on and on. But how did it start? You lose sight of God. When you forget God, you can do anything. Are you listening to me here? You see, the problem is not sin. The problem is that people forget God. The problem is not temptation. In the day Joseph was seduced, what kept him saying was that he remembered. He said, how oh, can I do this great wickedness against God? That's why Satan is trying to keep you busy so you can forget God. Be very busy. Chase your dreams. Chase your goals. Chase your pursuits. You can succeed in life, but as long as you forget God, you have set yourself up for a life of deterioration, darkness, perversion, confusion. Your soul will be darkened. You will begin to imagine wicked things. You begin to execute wicked things. Because you have lost touch with God. So, we are staying, staying with God, or spending quality time with God is about being conscious of God. Let me give you a few hacks, as it were, to this concept. Glory to Jesus. One of the things I do is I ensure that on my lips, there are conversations that are consistent, that keeps me in touch with God. I don't mean your regular prayer time. Because some of you pray for one hour, and after that you forget God. You don't remember God again. The next time you remember God is the next morning. It doesn't work like that. One of the things that we must learn to do is to systematically, consistently say words that brings us conscious of God. For instance, when you sneeze, you can say, thank you, Lord Jesus. When you cough, you can say, blessed be God. When you see something that is strange, you can say, blessed be Jesus. You can say, Holy Spirit, help me. I've learned to inculcate those vocabularies in my everyday normal language. It's not prayer language. I'm not praying. I'm just, just see something. Holy Ghost, help me. Jesus, thank you. Father, I depend on you. That, you see, if you say that every hour, just once, every hour, in the midst of all the busyness, the way you feel tired, you feel confused, just say, Holy Spirit, help me. You become conscious of God. Hallelujah. You don't have to have one hour. Of, I'm not saying you should not pray for one hour, but I'm saying pray for one hour and then forgetting God till the next day. It you, can't, you can't sustain that kind of a life and call it intimacy with God. Remind yourself of God. One of the things I also do is to ensure that even when I'm in busy places, for instance, if I'm scrolling the internet, I don't associate with people that make me forget God. Even when I'm on Facebook scrolling, I am dealing with theologians. As I'm scrolling, I'm reading people's thesis on Christian debates. So even if I'm on Instagram, I'm not watching bomb bomb and breast. Some people have entered into depravity of pornography, masturbation, because they have not deliberately selected people that remind them of God on their internet space. So once they open Instagram like this, somebody say, what is this nonsense? On that same Instagram, there's a five minute video explaining why God can kill. But you don't watch that one. You scroll past. Say you want to relax. <laughs> now relaxation, they enter, voila. Want to relax. You have to be very deliberate. I don't, there are many pages I follow on the internet deliberately because they keep me focused. They keep me to God. Even if I am on the internet, I can still be in touch with God. Is that taken here? Another thing to note here is that 
as much as possible, when you talk to God in a regular prayer time, create time for honest conversations. Many of us speak in other tongues for long, that's great, that's wonderful, but learn to have honest, intimate conversations. Two things. Talk to God about everything. You have the menstrual cramps. Holy Ghost, help me. These cramps are heavy. Relieve me. Bring wholeness to me. Strengthen me. You are bored. Say Holy Ghost, I'm bored. Remind me of something. Engage my mind. Talk to God about everything. Many of you talk to your friends more than you talk to God. But God is supposed to be like a friend. In fact, God is supposed to be your best friend. He's closer to you than your skin. Many of us take only big problems to God. When it is life and death, you run to God. Or when it is a small matter, you talk to your friend. God wants to hear about everything. In the day you are honey, say Holy Spirit. And I never marry. I beg, I beg. The Holy Ghost will not say, hey, yeah, 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 get him out. It will give you comfort. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. Okay, some of you think I'm carnal. You are the one carnal. Actually, if what I'm saying makes you feel you are the one carnal. You talk to God about everything, about everything. I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. Holy Spirit, help me. I'm looking for a ruler. I'm expecting the Holy Ghost to help me find it. You talk to God about everything. That's how you you can have honest conversations. Many of you don't have honest conversations with God. Your conversation is just very over your head. Spectacular. You give a very tongue for 10 minutes. Qua, 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 qua. But what in your mind? You know if you talk What? Now what in your mind? God won't hear now. Glory to Jesus. Some of you. Marriage is the hungry you, but you know if you pray. Him. I cannot be praying for marriage. I'm too spiritual. He that will come, will come. You better pray, oh God, send my husband. Send my husband. I don't tire, I beg. God, send my wife. Where's my wife? Whatever is heavy on your heart, say it to God in prayer. If you read the Psalms, that was the secret of David. He's honest with God. If somebody is looking to kill him, so, um, David will not be good to pray spiritual prayer. He will say, oh God, they that seek me after my life, help me. Honest conversations. Honest conversations. What on your mind should be said to the ears of God? And it has to, it's, it goes across anything and everything. Glory to Jesus. Also, speak to God in your language. No, they blow grammar for God. Eh? I trying to sound like an intellectual in the ears of God. What's wrong with you? Are you using phonetics to pray? <laughs> what's, what's that? You don't need to know. There's no clothes in God's eyes. You are, not, you are naked. God knows you. God sees you. All this forming, when you are praying, it feels intimacy. Sometimes the only thing I can describe my body is na pigeon prayer. God, do all for me, I beg. That's the only thing I can communicate my body. Now, oh God, rock of ages, kindly help me. Or just, you better speak with me. You better speak your language. You better speak your language. God understands your language. Glory to God. He understands your language. It's not about what you are saying that is, that is strange to him. 
If you are Yoruba, you shall be Yoruba prayer. Adura. Madba. If you, if you know that you pray better, you are more honest people to go. When you speak in Yoruba, or Hebrew, or Efik, pray like that. Glory to Jesus. Imagine talking to my wife and forming info, eh? Say, hello, big girl. Can I, can I get some cup of water? I, I don't talk to like that. Big girl, I beg, I beg, give me water, I beg. Please. You don't have to. All that is, that's what contributes, contributes to veils, walls of partition. Glory to Jesus. So be honest in your conversations with God. Alright, let's progress now. The next point, I don't know how you are numbering it, whether number three or number one, depending on the service you are, <laughs> you are counting from. But the next point is that you have to develop your knowledge of God. Know God. Intimacy is nothing without knowledge. What I mean is that if I marry my wife and I don't know her, although she's my wife, I can't be intimate with her. We may sleep on the same bed, wear the same clothes, even speak the same language, but it is our knowledge of each other that determines if we are close. Some of you are far from me, for instance, because you don't know me. You see me in a t-shirt and jeans and you size me up. Say, Baba, Ija, how funny, girl. <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> you don't know me. You can't be close to someone you don't know. When you know somebody beyond even his external package, you know beyond that. Some of you know things about me that other people will not know. And because of that, you are intimate with me. You see, intimacy thrives on secrets. Yeah. I am intimate with my wife because I know the secret of my life. She's intimate with me because she knows the secret of my life. And after knowing the secret, we still decided to love each other. That's intimacy. Glory to God. She knows me in my worst. She has seen me in my worst. Because when I come on stage, I can package. Can act like I'm flawless. Can act like the perfection. I don't have any weakness. But she, she knows beyond that. <laughs> so it is knowledge that actually drives intimacy. If you don't know God, you are not going to be intimate with Him. You are not intimate with God because you sing a song about Jesus or because you cry in worship. If your heart is full of ignorance concerning this Jesus that you are crying about, you are not going to be intimate with Him. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 3 the lamentation of God, that even animals know their masters. But my people do not know me. My people do not know me. In Isaiah chapter 4 verse 6, he says, my people perish for lack of knowledge because your priests have rejected knowledge, therefore I will also reject you. It is knowledge that drives intimacy. The knowledge of God is not just for theologians. Say me, I'm not a pastor. I don't need to know God like that. If you don't know God, you can't be close to God. The apostles were close to Jesus because they knew him. They saw him sleep. I wonder how it feels like to see Jesus sleep. See Jesus, see him, see him sleeping. Maybe he's even snoring. Wow. I, I, want, I mean, that's what drives intimacy. To see him eat. See, Kata was eating. Ha. How many of you have seen me eat before? Ah. How many of you think that I eat well? How many of you have seen me play game before? Okay. 
Now, if you, if, you, if you have not seen me outside the pulpit, you don't know me. Yeah. Some of you have said, eh, PJ is very harsh. See, yes, yes, yes. You, you don't know me. Some of you have said, PJ is very soft. You may not know me either. It depends on uh, the tool I need to use. Glory to God. You've got to really know God. It's not about, I'm not a, I'm not a seminary. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. To drive intimacy, you cannot be ignorant about God. Imagine marrying a wife you don't know. They do it in some cultures. You just pick a stranger wife. Just say, by recommendation. So I will now marry you. Remove my clothes. Somebody I don't know. And sleep with my two eyes closed. Somebody I don't know. I better keep your recommendation. No. I've heard several stories like that. Say they are, the man was recommended to me by my pastor. Now that he was recommended, because know him yourself. Because do you know that even your pastor cannot know somebody that intimate when it comes to marriage? Marriage is the most intimate expression of relationship. Ah, somebody okay. The people I know here now intimately, but then I expect their husbands and their wives to know them more intimately. That's common sense. So my pastor recommended to him is not me. Like, eh, okay, I will just agree and marry. Better know him yourself. The same way as I'm preaching to you. Yes, I'm recommending God. I'm talking about God, but beyond my recommendation, know God yourself. Talk personally. Are you listening to me here? That's the beauty of the new covenant. Hebrews chapter eight and verse ten to eleven. I will write my laws on their minds. Verse 11 now says, no one will have to teach their neighbor to know God. Everyone will know me from the least to the greatest. That's the new command. We, can ha- we have access to God. We can know God. Whether the preacher preaches well or not, you can know God. Are you listening to me here? Some of you have put your entire destiny in the hand of the preacher. So if he leads you to hell, you follow him. Why? When God can be known for himself. Glory to Jesus. To cultivate intimacy, know the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23, God says, don't brag about your money, don't brag about your strength, don't brag about your qualifications. If you want to brag about anything, if you want to boast about anything, boast in the fact that you know me and you understand me. You know me and you understand me. That's something to brag about. That's what drives intimacy with God. Let me progress because of time. Number four, if you are going to be intimate with God, you will have to be distant from the world. You will have to be far from the world. If you are going to be close to God, you have to be far from the world. If you are going to be intimate with God, you will have to be distant from the world. Because both of them are in two opposite directions. When it says in James 4, draw close to God or draw near to God, the preceding verse, I think, says... Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Don't you know whoever will be a friend of the world will be an enemy of God. What it means there is that whoever is going to be in love with the world cannot cultivate intimacy with God. You have to choose where you want to go. The world to your extreme right. The Lord so you extreme left, as it were. You cannot chase two of them together. Imagine having a close relationship with your wife and a sex worker. Say, me and my wife are very intimate, but I also have another bestie. 
Okay, who is the best? Onojo. Ah. How does he add up? He can't. He doesn't add up. Some of you are like that. You are cutting somebody. Then you have a bestie of the, of, of the gender of the person you are cutting. Or Daniel. Or Daniel. You are not wise. You have a man you want to marry. You are not, you have another man that is your best friend. You now say that something that is between me and best friend. <laughs> the money can attack no past this one. That's so, that's so, that's so daft. Make a best friend out of the person you are dating. What are you talking about? Are you listening to me here? That's another story. This is a relationship class. Come on Wednesday if you want to hear more. But you can't be friends with the world and be intimate with God. He cannot join. He cannot add up. First John 2 and verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things of the world. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, they are not of God. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't combine both. Your father's tried, they failed. Your grandfather's tried, they failed. If you try to fail, it can't work. Forget it. It can't work. It can't work. All these thoughts of Davido and thoughts of Oedeko at the same time, it cannot work. Somebody went to concerts. I was seeing on Twitter. Carried his girlfriend to concerts. They can't use them for experiments. I was not complaining. What were you expecting? The guy did get on stage. The guy was manifesting demons there. <laughs> I enjoyed the, the troll. When we say join and the challenge, you know join. Go experience for concert, you know go. Now that one, you pay $1,000 ticket for, for, for rubbish. The guy is singing, is singing sexual lyrics. You carry your girlfriend there. What, what do you think will happen? Fasting and prayer. What, what do you think will happen there? Open prayer. What will happen there? <laughs> What did we expect to see? <laughs> Glory to God. Chris, you see Chris, if you ask him now, his name is John. His sister's name is Deborah. <laughs> what did they find for there? What did they find for there? Friendship with the world is a limit we go. You cannot, you cannot mix them both. There's no combination. It cannot work. Glory to Jesus. The price of intimacy with God is that you may be alone. Elijah says, I am the only one. Uh, God eventually told him, well, I have other folks that you don't know about. But at that point, it felt like he was the only one. Some of you get bored very easily. And it's more, you go to your neighbor's house. The guy is playing whiskey songs. You are not in your head. <laughs> you are not in your head. You are accumulating something. Then as you are praying the next day, the song will now come in your heart. I rebuke the blood of Jesus. No, 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 no. What do you rebuke? That's the way you go put it with your own hand. You can't rebuke her. That's the way you open the door for you rebuke her. Are you listening to me here? There's a price to pay for intimacy. In the day, God says, Who is on my side? Will you say, Because God, day your day, okay, day my day. Or will you stand up like lever and say, even though it will cost me some friends, God, I choose you. I choose you. I have wonderful friends now. And uh, when you begin to succeed in ministry, some people become your friend too. But they were lonely days. There were times where it's just you and your ceiling. You will look up, count the ceiling, look up again. Count the ceiling, look up again. 
Nobody to play with you. And in those days, my relationship with God thickened. Yeah. Sometimes God will isolate you for his own sake. So you cannot try and cultivate a relationship with him. Are you with me this morning? There's no time. Let's continue the conversation. Number five. Or the next point here. Make your life a comfortable place for God. Make your life a comfortable place for God. What does that mean? Now, your body is already the temple of the Holy Ghost. If you're a Christian, the Holy Ghost dwells in you. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you always to the end of the earth. That's certain. It's clear in scriptures. However, it is one thing for God to be residently present. It's another thing for him to be comfortable. There are churches where God is not comfortable, but he's there. He's not comfortable. The Holy Ghost is grieved again and again, but he does not leave. He's there. Open that somebody will pity him one day. And people will change their ways. He does not leave. But because he's grieved, he cannot operate the way he wants to operate. Are you listening to me here? There are Christians who have the Holy Ghost, yes. But the Holy Ghost is grieved in them. That's the scripture of Ephesians 4 and verse maybe 28. But it's grieved not the Holy Ghost where which received until the day of redemption. That's the verse of scripture. Ephesians 4 kindly help me with that verse. Remember, start grieved not the Holy Spirit whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. So you are, the Holy Ghost is your seal and that seal will be there. Except apostasy happens. That seal will be there. However, it can be there and be grieved. When he's grieved, your, your relationship with him will not thrive. I'm not hearing God. God is not talking to me. Many times it's not about that. It's that you are grieving him. So you can't hear him. He doesn't keep malice with people. But when he's grieved, his operations reduce. His operations reduce. Make sure that God is comfortable around you. I was reading through the Old Covenant or the Old Testament books, and I discovered many of the laws that God gave them was to ensure that he was comfortable when he came visiting. For instance, some of the hygienic laws, laws about their defecation activity. They were not allowed to do certain things in the camp. They were supposed to go outside the camp to do it. And God always added a caveat to the instruction. He would say, so that when I come, I will be pleased with you. So in the day that God wanted to visit Israel, they will clean up themselves. Not just spiritually, but physically. That also suggests that God does not like dirty environment. Does he like it? Are you listening to me here? Some people said, I don't know how true, but some people said, all the people that just have visited in their rooms, their rooms will be always clean. So if you want a visitation from heaven, maybe you should clean up your room. That's just by the way. That's just by the way. But the point is that there are certain things that can grieve God. That God will not be comfortable with. And if that is there, you have to ensure that you are a good host. Tell your neighbor, be a good host. Imagine coming, if you come to my house, depending on who you are, I may pamper you, I may not pamper you. Depending on who you are. Amen. For first timers, I may pamper them. Every summer, bring juice, give them. I'll be a good host. Oh, you become a rally. I say, well done, sit down. You are a rally. I cannot be entertaining you. Because you are a rally. 
But uh, the point is that when you have a visitor, or when you have a guest, you are supposed to be a good host. Some of you, if you came to my house and I did not treat you well, you will not come again. You will not come again. Now, I'm not saying God leaves the Christian if he's not treated well, but then his activities diminishes. Many of the things that God wants to do in your life and do through your life that are supposed to affirm the fact that you and him are close, you will not see them operating. Look at Psalm 6 and verse 16. The psalmist says there are six things that God hates, even seven things that are abominations in his sight. Let's go through them. Psalm 6, verse what are Proverbs 6 and verse 16, sorry. Proverbs 6 and verse 16. These six that the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look. Some of you have this one. You have proud look. Even when you greet your neighbor in church, now with proud look. Me to you, you to Nepal. A proud look towards men, not necessarily towards God. God does not like it. When you have this kind of thing, uh, you are not a good host. A lying tongue. White lie, green lie, yellow lie. Somebody was asking me yesterday, if I'm in a relationship but I meet somebody that I like more than the person I'm dating, and the person asks me, am I in a relationship? Should I say yes? Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? <laughs> a lying tongue. On the two eggs in two baskets. Hmm? Hands that shed. I'm seeing verse 17. Please. Hands that shed innocent blood. Hands that shed innocent blood and the people that support them. Criminal politicians. Supported by Christians. Hmm? And a good host. Verse 18. He had that device, wicked imagination. We read somebody's letters the other day. And the someone was advising, he said, be wicked when you want to show, when you want to do something. Invent wickedness. I said, Jesus lady. Hey, what you lady? Say, be creative in your wickedness. What? <laughs> why, why? Are you not a Christian? <laughs> Feet that are swift and running to mischief. A false witness that speaks lies and he that sweats discord amongst the brethren. Have you heard what Sister Bimbe did? Let us pray for her. Meanwhile, you are sowing discord. You are not a good host. God is not happy in that kind of environment. Glory to Jesus. As a church, I want us to be a good host. Orderliness. When God wants to come, or when God wants to move, let's make it easy for him to move. Orderliness. Honor. Reverence. Be a good host. The places that God is moving powerfully, it's not because God loves them more. It's that they know to become a good host that lent it. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 29. My father never leaves me because I do the things that are well pleasing in his sight. My father never leaves me. Not because I'm his son. Mm-mm. But because I do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Listen to me. You can cultivate his image with God. But then, the way to do that is to make your life a comfortable place for God to inhabit. Alright, number six. Or depending on your count, you pay number five. Or number four. 
Next point, anyway. You must learn to share in the suffering of God. I will explain this in two dimensions. Sharing in the suffering of God. I've discovered that intimacy thrives not just out of pleasurable moments, but also hard moments. Many of the people that I'm close to now, and I will be close to them forever, is because our friendship started when I was on ground zero. Some of you met me in my better days. That friendship may be solid, but then I may value the friendship that was committed to me when I was nothing. Like when I was nothing. When I didn't look like a man of God. When there was no proof of my calling. When I was suffering as a trainee minister, for instance, the salary of 15,000 naira. I would trek. There were two trekking exercises. I would trek from home to work. No, there were four. From home to work. From work to Bible school. From Bible school to home. Okay, three. Every day. Because I did not have 15 naira for taxi. And in trekking, I will be meditating. My Lord and my God. Help me. And I did that for four and a half years. In those suffering days, some people believed in me. Some people came close. Some people helped me. I am more likely to stick to them more. I believe the reason why mothers have a special place for their children is that they are the ones that went through the pain of childbearing. There's something about pain that allows for cohesion. Cohesion. What I'm saying here is that if you have never felt the pain of God, you may never be close to Him. Some of you only want to enjoy the pleasures of God. The goosebumps, you feel the anointing. Oh! The wonderful ecstatic worship moments where it's like you are in heaven. The wonderful procession where you are dancing and you are happy. You want to enjoy God. I'm telling you, intimacy is not just about enjoying God. It's about suffering with Him. Suffering with Him. So in the day when Phineas picked the javelin, he suffered with God. He saw the grief of God. Wow! God is not happy. Let me fix it. In the day when the Levites stood with God, they suffered with God. The apostles were close to Jesus, not just in enjoying with Him. They suffered with Him. When they called, Jesus told them, He said, A servant cannot be greater than his master. If they called me devils, she you know that they will call you devil pro max. If they say I cast out devils through demons, I hope you know the same thing about you. If they crucify me, I hope you know, hope you know they will crucify you. Now, we want it to be that Jesus is crucified, but the same word that crucified Jesus will be hugging them. Uh, <laughs> it's because you're, you don't plan to be close to Jesus. If you plan to be close to Jesus, everything Jesus went through, you will go through it. And you will not be crucified with a cross, but you will be crucified with words. You will be crucified with persecution. You will be crucified with isolation. You will be crucified. Are you listening to me here? Many of us want to enjoy the pleasures of Christ. Share in His glory, but we don't want to share in His sufferings. You cannot cultivate intimacy when you dissociate yourself from the sufferings of God. One of the proofs that I'm close to my wife is that what hurts her, hurts me. What pains her, pains me. 
my wife, if she wakes up with any health issue, for instance, maybe her legs, because she is pregnant, is heavy, it will feel like I am the one that my leg is paining me. Empathy. I share in abundance. Many of you, what matters to God does not matter to you. What makes God cry? What makes God weep? You don't, you don't feel it. And I'm saying to you, you the way to cultivate intimacy, go and share in his suffering. Sometimes, one of the things I do to share in his suffering is to read the lamentations of God in scriptures. I read the prophets. I read how the prophets complain about idolatry. And I weep alongside the prophets. I shed a few tears. Seeing the pain of God. Seeing God abandoned for idols. I share his pain. That's how I can be intimate with God. That's why I'm worried for Christians who only read Episcopus. Psalms and Proverbs. Even in the Psalms, you see many opportunities to share in the burdens of God. I love reading the prophets, the Lamentations, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel. Hear the people, the prophets of God weep, and I weep alongside them. That's, that way you are closer to God. If for you, enjoy God, it's all about, or it's supposed to be God, it's all about, you come and you laugh in the Holy Ghost. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you don't know intimacy. I told you, whatever is working, it is work. Me and my wife, we don't just laugh together, we cry together. And that's why we are close. If we only laugh together, we are not close. Yeah. Are you listening to me here? Look at it in Matthew chapter 20. And verse 20. Okay, I think that I don't. We can just do 10 more minutes of conversations and move on. It came to him the mother of the Zebedee's children with her sons, worshipping him. I can imagine it must have been a very dramatic worship. When mothers worship with an arterial motive, it is very dramatic. Just walking you. Let me marry. Let me marry. Worshipping him and desiring a certain thing of him. This is worship with an arterial motive. It's not pure worship. What is him? Jesus paid attention to her. He said to her, What will this thou? That I was, what do you want? What can I do for you? Because I know you don't, you don't greet me like this normally. How can, I, how can I help you, ma? She said unto him, Grant that this, my two sons, may sit one on the right and the other on the left in thy kingdom. I want my sons to be close to you, sharing the throne space. <laughs> Jesus answered and said, You don't know what you are asking for. <laughs> are you able to drink of the cup? That I shall drink of. The cup here is the cup of suffering. Because in that day he says, let this cup pass. You want to sit down beside me, eh? Okay, okay. But do you know what you're asking? Are you willing to suffer with me? I've been baptized with baptism. The baptism here is the baptism of suffering. It's not Holy Ghost baptism. It's to be immersed in soul. When Jesus prayed in Gethsemane that day, he sorrow upon him. So can you share that with me? That's why Paul says that I might know him. The power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. <laughs> That's it. That's it. 
you want to experience power of the resurrection, you don't want to experience fellowship of the suffering. Mm-mm. Doesn't work like that. Are you listening to me here? You are going to likely bond better with God when you share in the suffering and then another dimension to that point. When in the times of suffering, you stay close to God. Some of you, once suffering starts, you leave God alone. Why did you come to church? Life mm, tired me. That's why you are not intimate with God. In bad times, we know our good friends. Yeah. It's in bad times we know good friends. A friend loved at all times, a brother, how is it? I think a brother loved at all times, a friend is born for days of adversity, something like that. It's in Proverbs, one of those wise sayings of the preacher. It's for troubled times that we know that we have best friends. For troubled times. It's not for good times. <laughs> so even your bad time, you leave God alone. Yeah, I'm going, you don't even know what I'm going through. Uh, when, you, when there's more, you know, say, You are far from God. <laughs> you are far. Ever. Glory to God. That's why we have marriage vows. When somebody comes and says, For better or for worse. What they are saying is that, <laughs> Even in the worst of times, I'll be here. Because there will be worse times. I'll be here. I'll be here. There will be bad times. Oh yeah. And those bad times, that's an opportunity to cement your relationship with God. Or many of you just say, eh, when things get better, I'll, go, I'll wear clothes to God. You will never become close to God like that. One last point. Set yourself up for spectacular, supernatural encounters of the Holy Ghost. Set yourself up for spectacular, supernatural encounters of the Holy Ghost. This is not a Holy Ghost service, but I want to stress something, maybe to help us for next week's service. Next week's service is the Holy Ghost service. The chief agent of intimacy, as it were, in the Godhead is the Holy Ghost. Particularly in our context as new creation. That's why we refer to him as the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba Father. It is the Holy Ghost that makes us intimate with the Father. Are we together here? I'm almost done. Give me a few more minutes. Is that fine? One of the essence or one of the purposes of the Holy Ghost is to bring a personal touch of God to you. To make you experience God personally. I'm a preacher of God's word. The Bible is my fundamental textbook. The basis for all my philosophies and theology. However, I can tell you that many Christians have changed the Trinity. So many Christians, the Trinity has now become God the Father, God the Son, and God the Bible. They have removed the possibility of the Holy Ghost. Many Christians have scant, little, intimate relationship with the Holy Ghost. So many Christians say, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. But the fact that you are an ardent 
follower of scripture does not necessarily mean that you are intimate with God if you remove the Holy Ghost. Of course, the Holy Ghost wrote these scriptures, inspired these books, but I'm saying there are certain experiences that makes it personal. So, God is powerful. Oh yes, the scripture says that, the Holy Ghost says that through scripture. But then, there is an experience, a personal experience of His power that makes that not just a theoretical document, but a personal experience. So when everybody says, God is powerful, you are not just saying it like God is powerful from a mental perspective. The Holy Ghost has brought that reality to you. Are you listening to me here? Set yourself up. How you do that is by you embrace the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Uh, there is a strong movement targeting the move of the Holy Ghost. What it will produce is just Pharisees, people who are learned in letters, versatile in scriptures, but they are not able to say like Peter. We do not speak unto you fables. We have become eyewitnesses of his majesty. The things which we have touched, as John's testimony, which we have handled, they can't talk like that. They can only say, the Bible says, the Bible says, but they can't say, the things which we have handled, they can't say that. Embrace the ministry of the Holy Ghost and set yourself up for it. In Acts chapter 13, they fasted and prayed, prophets and apostles and teachers. As they fasted and prayed and ministered unto the Lord, the Holy Ghost said, Maybe they are prophets and teachers. Why didn't they just read the Bible for what the Holy Ghost is saying? I'm saying there are some saints that must be dust, yes, the Lord. Not the Bible said, Oh, are you listening to me? Yeah. I'm not against the Bible. I'm saying, even the apostles went on the Holy Ghost and had the dust, yes, the Lord. The Holy Ghost said, Say, ah, but they had the scripture now. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Paul was going to preach in a place. The Holy Ghost forbade him. What Bible verse can you use to support that? The Holy Ghost forbade him. And subsequently, he saw a vision. A man in Macedonia said, come to us. People have, they have delegated the, 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 the operations of the Holy Ghost. And they say, we are Bible people. If you are Bible persons, you should be spirit persons too. Why is your praise one? How do people talk down on supernatural encounters? Make it sound like it is obsolete and no more useful in our generation. Haba! That's why we are not intimate with God, honestly. It was a robot. No, it was Tiel Osborne who locked himself up in a room and said, Well, until I hear from Jesus, I'm not going to come out. <laughs> It takes some desperation sometimes to touch these things. Let yourself open the room. Tell husband did not consider himself anything. Apostle, prophet, pastor, nothing. He didn't consider himself. He only said that he preached the gospel and let the word did the work or do the work. But before he began to preach, well, let's say, before he began to preach successfully, he had a few preaching experiences and he failed. He went to some missionary trips. He failed woefully. He failed Yakata. 
So he closed himself. Say, I'm not doing ministry. I'll go and lock myself up until I meet this Jesus for real. I'm not doing it. And after three days, he had a vision of Jesus. Boom! His ministry changed. Of course, when you meet him yourself, everything changes. When you hear him yourself, everything changes. When you see him yourself, everything changes. It's no longer like a distant personality. You know, I met him. I saw him. I touched him. Apostle Paul's driving force was this. He says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. The things I teach you, no man taught me. The Lord himself taught me these things. It's not a doctrine of man. It's not what I learned in the Bible school. These revelations were shown to me by the Messiah himself. That's why I teach you with audacity. Set yourself up. Set yourself up. Imagine, Saul of Tarsus became blind on his way to Damascus. Jesus told him, go and lock yourself. Three days, he was praying. He was blind for three days. And then eventually, hands were laid on him. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. He began to preach. Many of you need to engage the Holy Ghost. Engage. It's not every holiday you run home to eat mommy's rice. Spend three days and say, I want to just wait on God. Off my phone. Wait on God. If God is real, I want to feel Him. I want to hear Him. I want to see Him. Intimacy with God, you cultivate it deliberately. It's not going to jump at you. Are you listening to me here? Set yourself up for Holy Ghost encounters. The relationship with the Holy Ghost in our generation is very, very poor. That's why what should facilitate all the prophetic abilities we have said this last week. It is intimacy. All the revelations of divine secrets is intimacy. But when the agents of that ministry, the Holy Ghost, we have relegated him. Relegated him. It's now God the Father, God the Son, God the Bible. When last did the Holy Ghost say to you? When last? You need to set yourself up. Shut down the noise. Close every other thing that is taking your attention, distracting you. Plug yourself into spirit atmospheres. Attend spirit atmospheres. Participate in spirit environment. This is how you, 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 are, you experience defining moments in your Christian life. Some of you cannot pass down this Christianity to your children because you are not sure of it. Why? There's no intimacy. It's just something your father told you or your pastor said. You don't have personal witness. You have a personal witness. You're not sure if what you are preaching is true. If this Bible is even real, you're not sure. Glory to Jesus. I said glory to Jesus. One of the things you can do is to communicate more with the Holy Spirit. Talk to Him more. Sing to Him. Listen to Him. You say when you pray to God the Father, you can pray to God the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, help me. You are my comforter. You are the spirit of attention. It is by you I can cry, Abba, Father. Holy Ghost, I need your help. Holy Ghost, I need your touch. There are people who have come to me in this church and say, I have never experienced any spectacular Holy Ghost in reality. Sometimes I encourage them and say, just please be patient. It will come in this time. Sometimes I know they need to position themselves. I tell them what to do. 
Sometimes it's very quickly they adjust and then boom, they discover it was not for all this while. I just needed to position myself. I'm saying here to you, your intimacy with God will thrive when you nurture your relationship with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost was given to you so that you can cultivate intimacy with God. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. We'll pray in tongues for just five minutes and they'll pray in understanding subsequently. But pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Let your heart yearn for intimacy. Let your heart crave intimacy. Let your heart desire intimacy. As you are praying, the cost of intimacy will be coming to your mind. When it comes, just say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I will, I will, I will. I know to cost me, but I, I will, I want to. I'm on your side, Lord, I'm on your side, I'm on your side, I'm on your side. Lembra kada basekete The spirit of adoption, whereby I cry, Abba Father. If you are praying, make sure you are praying. Don't play games with God. Be honest, be sincere. Don't play games with God. He sees you, he knows you. He hears you. Holy Ghost, I need you. Hey, the spirit of adoption. My comforter, my standby, my helper. I want to see you. I want to know you. I want to hear you. I want to feel you. Holy Ghost! Make it personal. Draw me closer. Make it intimate. Oh, glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Let's sing the song that will help us. Pierre, help me with um, Romania. Put it from the, from the verse. I am thine, O Lord. I have heard your voice. All right.
it's familiar hymn. I want you to sing it honestly. Remember, have honest conversations with God. Have honest conversations. Don't sing it religiously. I like the hymns because they, they, they were written from the place of burden and intimacy. If you read them, you will understand why they were very rich. Sing it and mean it. Glory to God. I am done. I have
wants to help a few people. So if you can just stay focused on Jesus, close your eyes, let your heart crave for intimacy. Just do that in five minutes. Let your heart crave for intimacy. And the Holy Ghost, the spirit of adoption will begin to just draw you near. There will be encounters, burning bush experiences that will draw you near. Keep your eyes on Jesus. 
Let him be your desire. Let him be your desire. He's going to pull you close. He's going to pull you close. Draw close to him and he will draw close to you. Draw near to him and he will certainly draw near to you. Once you initiate it, he will pick it up from there. He will pick it up from there. Nearer, 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 Lord. The personal experiences we are having right now, right now, personal experiences, things you may not be able to explain or describe, but it will stay with you forever. The warmth of his love, the heat of his jealousy. Come Holy Ghost, come Holy Ghost, come Holy Ghost. That we might see you, that we might hear you, that we might know you, that we might touch you. Something personal, something personal. That we might become high witnesses of your majesty. Let the pictures become clear. Let the voices be louder. Let the feelings be intense. Come close, Lord. 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 Draw me nearer. Draw me nearer. Holy Ghost touch, Holy Ghost show. Holy Ghost touch, Holy Ghost show. Something personal, something personal, something personal. Something personal, dear Lord. Something tangible, something visible. Something personal. Draw me near, oh, to the cross where thou stand. Just wait, it's coming. Just wait. Some of you need to wait a little bit more. Just wait, it's coming. It's coming. Wait, 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 wait. Bless the Lord to thy precious bleeding side. Your bleeding side. Your bleeding side. Your bleeding side. To feel your pain. To know your sorrows. To fellowship in your sufferings. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Quiet sing. 
Thank you, Father. You will come close. And we will continually experience you in greater measures as we position ourselves for your touch, for your move. Thank you for diverse encounters throughout this week, even into Sunday. Throughout this week, even into Sunday. Diverse encounters. Diverse encounters. Divers encounters, visions of the night, dreams and trances, divers encounters of your spirit, the spirit of adoption in full expression, the spirit of adoption in full expression, the spirit of adoption in full expression. We see you, we touch you, we feel you, we know you. Oh, thank you, Lord. We are so expectant, Lord. Let it come, all of it. Let it come. Let it come. Let it come. Be praised forever. Be praised forever. Let's bless God in one minute. Jesus will bless you. Jesus will bless you. This is life transforming. This has set us up for something massive. Something mind-blowing. Something that our generation will not recover from. Something extraordinary. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. You made your move. You brought us close. And here we stand in your presence. We stand in your presence. Spirit of adoption, thank you. Spirit of adoption, thank you. Spirit of adoption, thank you. Thank you, Lord. This is your doing. This is your doing. And it will continue. It will continue. It will not diminish. It will continue. It will continue. In Jesus' name we worship. We trust you have been blessed by this message. Kindly reach us for feedback and testimonies through judaholorumai at gmail.com.